Hey everyone, I'm your host, Alex Taylor, co-founder of Parallel. Welcome to Parallel Lives, a podcast where we learn about the tireless yet vibrantly challenging role the women we admire most live in parallel to their careers and personal pursuits, becoming and being a mom. Today's episode is with Sarah Wright Olson. She is an actor, the co-founder of Your Zen Mama, co-host of the Motherhood Days podcast, an author, and a mom of three. Just wow. Women are unstoppable. We talked about how she built her care team of doulas, midwives, and an OBGYN. We also talked about what is a doula and what is a midwife and how did they fit into her support system. We talked about how she dealt with grief while pregnant, why she opted for hospital births after birthing her first child at home, her postpartum experience, which is truly invaluable. She shared so many great tips and how she navigated two major shifts in her self-identity throughout her motherhood journey. She is a wealth of knowledge, and I hope you enjoy this episode. It's a special one. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me, of course. I am such a fan of you and Zen Mama and all the things, so I can't wait to get into it with you. (laughs) Thank you. Before we jump in, I would love to hear a little bit about your journey and how your life unfolded before becoming a mom. Yeah, that'd be great. (laughs) So hi, everyone. I'm Sarah Wright Olson. Before I became a mother, I was a, let's see, I was was an actor. (laughs) I grew up in Kentucky. Um, My dad was a pastor. Uh, my mom worked in the dental field, and um, I moved to Chicago on my own when I was 18 years old. Um, I was trying to do modeling, and I had spent like a few months randomly in Japan doing some modeling when I was 16, so I really got the travel bug, and I was like, okay, I don't think I'm going to stay in Kentucky. I think I need to like peace out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my parents were really great and supportive, um, and now being a parent, I'm like, that is terrifying. I would never <laughs> let my kid go to Japan at 16 on their own. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's insane. But yeah, so I moved to Chicago. And uh, from there, um, one of my agents was like, oh, you should try acting. Mm-hmm. And so I put myself on tape for a couple of things. And then um, I got a call like a month later that this show wanted to fly me to LA to audition in front of like a bunch of people, which now I know is called like a test. Wow. Um, and test me for this pilot that was going to be on Fox. And so mm-hmm. I was like, well, yeah, game on. I've never been <laughs> wow. to California. So yeah. I was so excited. So they flew me to California. I got straight off the plane, was taken to Fox Studios, auditioned for the show and was told in the room that I got it. Oh my God. And so, yeah. And it really changed my whole life, my wow. it, my trajectory, everything. It was uh-huh. like one moment that, um, you know, something that I had always loved doing. I grew mm-hmm. up doing theater in my small, small town of Horse Cave, Kentucky, in wow. case anybody's out there listening. <laughs> And it was just, it was something that I never thought was possible because I grew up in like a small farming town and, um, and you know, I just, my, my dreams didn't go outside of that, you know, world. And so it was, um, it was amazing and that's what brought me to LA and I was, um, acting for years until, um, I met my, my partner, Eric, 
I was actually married first. So just so you know, I was married first to another guy. And then we got divorced. I met Eric and I was like 20. At this point, I was only like 22. I got married at 21. I got divorced at 22. And then um, Eric and I started dating when I was 23. So I'm going to be 40 this year. So we've been together for a really long time. Beautiful. I love you. Found your person though. You knew it. I did. I found my guy. It was amazing. I mean, we've had such a long, wonderful, amazing relationship. but yeah, so he and I met um, on a TV show called The Loop on Fox. Yep. Okay. And yeah, we've been together ever since. Oh, amazing. And so by this point in your life, you're married, you're a working actor, which is not for the faint of heart. My goodness. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's a lot. It sounds like you were very busy with your career and the like. Did you always know that you wanted to be a mom and how did that kind of come into clarity into the picture at this point in your life? Well, yeah, I always knew that I wanted to be a mom. I loved my childhood so much with my parents. It was very idyllic. It was it was very religious. So I've had my own sort of like sort of back and forth with that type of religion and just the absolutism in it. And like that wasn't how I viewed the world so I struggled with that but our world was really beautiful in terms of like it was simple we lived in a farming community Um, I got to be in nature every day I had a beautiful group of people around me I was in the marching band in the drama club like you know it was just it was great and so my relationship with my mom and dad was amazing and I probably started babysitting when I was like 13 and I always wanted to be a mom I was like oh this this is it (laughs) this is the ticket (laughs) yep so you had that in you from day one it sounds like and it sounds like you had such a wonderful childhood filled with love Mm -hmm. when you were in the midst of your you know sounds like kind of the peak of your career did you just decide one day I'm ready to have kids or how did you know and were you afraid that you'd have to make concessions? <laughs> I have so many questions about this. Yeah. You know, it's so funny because I, Eric and I, we um, we got married. We had this beautiful wedding in Idaho. And, and then, you know, we had just bought a home that we were so excited about and we were um, going to be renovating it. And then we, as soon as we moved into the home that week, I got pregnant. Oh, wow. Um, Which was crazy. And Uh so I was so excited. And I was working on something at the time. And because I was pregnant, I wasn't able to continue doing it because I would have been like eight months pregnant when they were going to shoot this one thing. So I was like, oh, man, I'm really bummed that this opportunity that felt so huge because at the time, the network it was going to be on was like this major network. And I did feel like at the time that I was probably at the peak of my career, but it wasn't the peak of my career. It was like, you know, just sort of the beginning. And so I was a little scared, but I was also like, this is what I want. I want to be a mom and I want to figure out how to integrate that into everything that I do. So so I ended up getting pregnant. I had Wyatt, our son, four weeks after giving birth to him, my friends that I did a movie with we're doing a TV show and they were like, will you come on to the show? We know you just had a baby. Will you come on and do a few episodes? And so I went back and I was like, yeah, I can do this. And I remember thinking like, I need to show everybody that I can still, 
you know, be the same person. Like, uh-huh. I can take my baby with me oh, everywhere. Yeah. None of my friends have had kids yet. So, like, they're all afraid that I'm going to, like, ditch them and become, like, the girl that's with all the mom friends. And so I just was, like, so quick to be like, okay, this is fine. I'm cool. I can do this. I'm the cool mom. I can strap my baby on my back. Like, yep. we've got this. Oh, you know, yeah. in the, <laughs> baby's in the carrier all the time. Uh-huh. But, yeah – even though that fear was there, I was still like, okay, I'm, I'm motivated. I'm going to make this happen. And, you know, some like one of the most amazing jobs that I have done in my career came when why it was like a year and a half old. And so it, it it's not – even though at times, it, especially in this industry, it can mm-hmm. feel like, okay, am I done? Because, yeah. you know – this is um, tough because I'm Seasonal, home. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have chapters and, that are a bit more and everyone's gonna forget about me as yeah. an actor or <laughs> yeah. like whatever it is. Yeah. And I just realized like that's just not the case. If you want to, you know, if I want to keep doing it and I want to pursue it, then I can. And otherwise, like, you know, I don't need to worrying about it is like coming from this place of lack, and that doesn't that's not serving Absolutely. anyone. Yeah. So you kind of went out into the world with this gusto of almost proving people wrong about what they thought (laughs) about moms, which is so interesting. (laughs) What was that like? Did you realize that there was kind of this disconnect and you were a different person or a person with more to you? Or tell me about that. Like, did that work out for you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was interesting, right? So I think um, I was just learning myself how to be a mother. But I also really was like, you know, I was, yeah, I was like 29 when I had Wyatt. So I turned 30. I mean, some people will think that's not young to have a baby, but where we live, it's pretty young to have a baby. So I was kind of like, oh, I want to make sure that I'm still showing up for the people that I've always showed up for, like my friendships and stuff like that. So I was definitely um, concerned about that and trying to like still be that same person and like, you know, all of those things. But, you know, it just, I realized somewhere in there that um, it's only adding and I also really needed to like take care of myself. Um, I needed to make sure that I was like taking time for myself and being really, I was so focused on Wyatt. I mean, he was my whole world and I was like taking him to every mommy and me class and like play date and all these things on top of like working and trying to be, you know, the same friend that I had always been. And so it was a huge learning curve in that, um, first pregnancy. And I will say that I had him at home. Uh, with a midwife and so he was a really big baby and it was a massive um, (laughs) endeavor over multiple days and and it was an incredible experience Uh, and I do feel like as I birthed him into the world I really did birth a new a new part of myself you know and I went through the postpartum period too quickly in my mm. first my with my first pregnancy. What was, do you mean too quickly? Like I just think I was like trying to get uh, I was just trying to like okay, I'm I'm here for my baby and doing all of these, you know, things for my baby, but I was also really trying to like don't worry everybody, I'm still here. Like I can start going out on jobs in 4 weeks, you know, or like whatever it is. I was just rushing through something that can be really really slow and beautiful. And I didn't learn that till later on Mm. that, you know. Yeah, there's this fear I find that many of us share that we're going to be forgotten now that we're moms. 
and we won't be considered for opportunities or to be invited for girls' nights out or whatever it might <laughs> yes. be. And there's this panic that sets in, and especially in that first year as a mom. Did something have to happen for you to realize that you had to slow down and take care of yourself? You know, I think I had, I had this time when Wyatt was... He was like one and a half. We were shooting a, a movie in Atlanta. It was like my dream job. I was shooting opposite um, Tom Cruise. I play his wife in this oh movie my called American Made. And yep. he was incredible and so – I had always had my, my son on set with me. I had done a show and I had him on set. So he was on set or he was in my trailer, but like he came with me everywhere and my husband would like come and visit and like we, you know, when I was on the show, he would go back and forth between my trailer and my husband's trailer because Eric was on NCIS LA at the time. And so it was really nice to just be able to like bring him along to work. This is like before your kid gets into school, right? Yeah. It's really different. Yeah. And then I was shooting this like dream job in Atlanta and it was incredible. And then the, that movie was over. And then um, I got pregnant with my second. Oh, wow. And during that pregnancy, my dad got really sick. And he was – he had been struggling for a long time, but I went and I started helping take care of him and then started to realize that he was going – not going to make it through the year. And so I spent many months flying back and forth every single month um, every week, sorry, back and forth to his house in Arizona with my mom and I would come back and be with Wyatt and I would go back and be with my dad. And so well, there was a lot of- with a toddler. Yeah, well pregnant and, and a toddler at home, yes. And so um, that was, that was really hard. And I think that was like a time in my life where I started to go, you know what? Maybe I'm doing too many things. Like I'm juggling a lot. Teresa and I were working on launching yours and Mama, and um, I had had this idea about a line, a skincare line that I wanted to do, but like that hadn't come to fruition yet. So there was just between that and work and just some of my things that I had going on. Like I felt like because of what was happening personally at home with my um, with my dad that I needed to check in and figure out if I was okay in my mind and in my body. And so I started seeing um, a therapist and I said, I'm worried that what I'm – like the feelings that I'm feeling that somehow they're going to affect the baby. And I was like, I don't know what to do because I can't not feel the grief of the fact that I know that my dad is dying. But at the same time, I don't – like I want to be, I want to be giving the same like happy feelings and hormones and joy and love and excitement to this like baby growing inside of me. And I was like, what do I do? And she said, those things can live inside of you at the same time. You know, like you can, you can feel joy and feel sadness at the same time. And she was like, and what, you know, what you can do is just talk to your baby. Just tell your baby, I am sad and I'm going to cry and I'm going to feel really, really heavy feelings. But none of this has anything to do with you. I want you to know you're loved. And when I'm crying and when I'm processing this, it's good for us and it's healthy for us. And so I would do that. Like in these moments of pure grief, I would just sit there and I would talk to her. And 
And then, you know, I was preparing myself for the day that he was going to die. And then I, he did pass away with, I was with him. And after that um, time, you know, my husband and I, we went away with our son and we spent some time together as a family. And I did just, I really felt a shift. It was like a priority shift in life. It was like, it was just like, this is so important and that like what matters is your family and your time on this planet. And this sh- shift happens again in my life. Like it happened again later on, but the first of that shift happened after I lost my dad. And that shift was just a prioritization and what matters and taking care of yourself or tell me more about what that yeah. shift was. It was just like, you know, I can prioritize like my mental health I can, I need to prioritize like having conversations with like my husband is so amazing at communication, way better than I ever was. And so it was a big learning curve in our relationship of like me wanting to run away from conflict and him like really sitting in it. And so I was always like, oh, I just want to like, okay, cool. Let's like, let's go, let's, let's move on now. And we're going to do, you know, and he'd just be like, no, we have to talk this through. And then he feels great and I'm like, oh, I feel bad, you know? So there was just this like thing that we had to do with each other and it was amazing that he could sit with me and really talk me through all of this stuff. And he was so encouraging of like, you need to do what you can, like take this time in postpartum and go slow and like do what you can for like mental health and for just your for yourself. And so that's what I mean is that I started to prioritize just like, you know, if I needed to go to therapy, if I needed a 10-minute walk where I was outside, just like taking in nature and breathing, whatever that looked like um, that felt good to me, that's what, uh, that's what you know, I tried to do in those months following losing my dad. And actually, a lot of writing um, on Your Zen Mama on the blog that, you know, Teresa and I had launched that yeah. summer, the writing really helped me a lot to cleanse and to work through some of those feelings. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And like your Zen Mama kind of became this cathartic release for you for what you went through. And I just have to acknowledge you were playing caretaker to so many people at such a Mm -hmm. physically, emotionally, mentally in so many ways. And the fact that what ultimately sounds like kind of encouraged you to go get that support mentally was because you were afraid of how it would impact your baby. And I think that's really interesting that it was driven by that. And I I think it's an interesting point too because a lot of women experience some pretty big things while they're pregnant, mm-hmm. whether it be you know the cataclysmic loss of a, of a loved family member or friend. And there is that fear of how will this impact my baby. And I think it's so beautiful that you've shared how you took that as a vehicle to first of all seek help and support for yourself but also to teach your baby before she was even earthside to feel her feelings and the importance of creating space and hearing you talk about how your husband encouraged you to sit in it and feel it is so important and the fact that you started that process earlier on for her actually seems like a a gift I remember when she was born she was born with my dad's blue eyes like he's super icy blue eyes different than my husband's blue eyes and mine are brown and 
but she had my dad my dad's eyes super light yeah. and I was like oh wow okay this is yeah. like him showing up here you know wow. and and I just I had this and I've said this a few times you know on our podcast and like in yours and mama but I had this moment where I just sort of pictured them meeting or crossing paths is like one was coming into the world and one was going out you know and and I love that movie Soul have you seen Soul oh it's so beautiful it's I think it's Pixar but um it's called Soul and it's really gorgeous how um, they depict the universe and like our souls before they are earth side and before they step into their bodies and then how they go out. And and so, yeah, I, I always kind of pictured it like that, but it was how really beautiful. cool to wow. see that that movie because I was like, oh, yeah, yeah that's kind of how I see it. So you started your Zen mom, it sounds like, right mm-hmm. after the birth of your first Yes. Why did you feel you needed to create this this space? You know, for Teresa and I, we were both, she was traveling a lot and I was traveling and we were working and her and I were involved in uh, mommy and me groups. But I remember a very different setting when I was younger, you know, in a small community, you really have like this community of women and, you know, whether it's your church group or if it's your community group or your school, like whatever it is. And so Teresa and I both felt that we were missing this like community of mothers just to bounce ideas off of. Like we were brand new moms and we loved everything about birth and motherhood and research and like all of this stuff was just our like total passion and so we started to try to figure out like what are we going to do with this idea is it a blog is it you know is I don't think like it wasn't I don't ever think it was like thought of as like an app or anything but we were just like do we start writing a blog do we start doing like classes like we do we rent a space like and have teachers come in and teach all of us. And like we didn't have a lot of mom friends. So um, so her and I started writing on this blog. And then we had women from all over the world submit entries. And then we would read through them. And then we would put them up on the blog. And so we were all kind of sharing stories and commenting and communicating. And it was very cathartic and also just a great way to learn um, from others and I feel like a lot of times in motherhood, it's it can be really lonely depending on like what stage of motherhood you're in or if you have one baby and you have a partner who's working and you're the one who's home, like whatever it is, you can feel this like loneliness. And so we wanted to kind of show up for people where they were in that state of feeling alone and yeah. say, we're here too. Yeah. And guess what? We've had the same feeling. And I've been rocking my baby on a ball since two o'clock in the morning as well. <laughs> yep. And <laughs> and there. yes, my nipples hurt and my stomach doesn't look the same either yep. and like all the things. So yeah. it just felt like this great place to share all of that. And from there, it grew into we got an offer to do a book and then that's when we started writing our book in Australia and then we got an offer to to write our book for the American audience so then we wrote our book for here. Um, That book's called The Zen Mama Guide to Finding Your Rhythm in Pregnancy, Birth and Beyond. You can get it on Amazon. It's so Um, good. It has it has ever thank you. It has everything from like, you know, before you even start thinking about becoming a mother to fertility, infertility, pregnancy loss um, grief, you know, and then all through your pregnancy, postpartum, and then the first year of life. So you 
are both so wise and thoughtful and connective, you know, between all these different pieces of the motherhood experience. And what I love about your Zen Mama is that you share this wisdom from doulas and nutritionists and experts in maternal health and wellness. Um, but in creating this platform, I mean, I'm so curious to hear this. This might be a hard question to answer, but what is the most valuable thing that you've learned along the way, whether it be from your experience of creating it or from the content you've produced? Like, what is what has that given you? Well, it's given me a lot. Um, it's given me a lot. I mean, when Teresa and I were presented with like, do you guys want to write a book? We thought it was fake email. Like it just felt <laughs> like we were like, what? Like <laughs> Penguin yeah. Random House in Australia? Like that's got, this has got to be a joke, right? And so then we were sort of engaging and then we were like, wait, this might be real. And I think, you know, for us, it was always about I love to learn and I'm not afraid to change and I'm I'm not afraid to um, be wrong and adapt and like, okay, if that's not working for you, like how can I help you to navigate it? I love showing up for other mothers. I really try to answer my DMs when people ask me questions, anything about motherhood. So, you know, that being able to like be there and show up for people was always amazing. But at the same time, like it's doing so much for her and I, which is A, we're learning so much about motherhood. Um, we're learning so much about like the things that, you know, we are so passionate about and we constantly do. It's like a doula comes on and starts sharing her experience. And we're both just like, oh my gosh, blown away or like when I gave birth to my first I gave birth with a midwife but then my second and my third I gave birth at a hospital with an OBGYN and so a lot of times that's flipped like people do yes. a hospital birth first and like now I'm going to do a home birth uh -huh. and so it's kind of amazing the more that you learn the more that you're educating and being informed and realize like what's right for me might be different than what's right for yes. you yes and so I think like the biggest thing that we ha that I've taken away from your Zen Mama is that if you invest time into something that you're passionate about, you're always going to find a reward. There's always going to be this level of gratitude. And no matter mm -hmm. if it's like your Zen Mama is not profitable, you know, <laughs> and it's like yeah. it's not like a company yeah. where we're making money. Yeah. This is fully like something that we've been putting out into the world that's nourishing our soul and yeah. nourishing others. And same it with really the book. Is. It's like, yes, we'll make some money on the book, but mm -hmm. it's not like, this isn't like the end all. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's a true passion. And it's, it's also, a passion. it's truly in service of other women. I felt so alone when I popped out on the other side as a mom and <laughs> there were so many things people weren't talking about or sharing or things I felt that were fringe or not normal. And you've created such an important space, safe space for that. And there's, I mean, to me, that's success. You've, I mean, I'm one person you've helped, you know, and there's so <laughs> many other women that have felt that support. Thank and you. And we really feel tremendous. that way. Like for us, like that is what matters. Those messages from people like you, from people, um, on Instagram or on the blog or through the podcast. You know, we have a podcast now called The Mother Days, D-A-Z-E. And, you know, the amount of messages that we've gotten since then, since starting it, 
have been amazing. And then people will write to us and say, can you talk about this? And then we, you know, we do. And like, we listen to those messages. And I think that that's that communication and showing like, yeah, we're not just like out here telling everybody what to do. Like we want to be in communication with you. And it just, that means everything to us. Like, you know, we'd love to grow the podcast and make it this like big thing. Um, But at the same time, every single little message and DM and comment that we get really feels so good because um, we're doing something that we love. And you're paying it forward. You know, you're supporting your your community and nothing feels better than being in service of others. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it's a powerful thing. So you glazed over this, but we have to go back. <laughs> you had a home birth and yes. then you, ha- you have three children now mm-hmm. and your other two were born in the hospital. Tell yeah. me, can we talk about that? I'm very curious. I know <sighs> it's, it's kind of wild. So yeah. the home birth was an amazing experience, right? But at the same time, it got really tricky because. Is there a reason why you wanted to have a <clears throat> home birth? Yeah, I wanted so I'm so glad that I did and I had I've been with an OBGYN for a long time who was my like gynecologist and um I remember feeling like she didn't really know who I was or my name even though I'd been going to her for so long. Every time I come in she'd be like um, right, Sarah. Okay. And I yep. feel like, oh my gosh, you know, Dr. Blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. I've been with you for so long. How do you not remember me? Totally. Um, I had a lot of UTIs, remember? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yes. Whatever remember it is. me? It's like, hello. <laughs> so, yeah. So I was with her and then I just was trying to figure out like, what is, what do I want for my birth? And I, you know, I was doing so much research in my first birth and reading everything and like, I had met someone and I was telling her like, oh, I did something weird to my rib and I'm in so much pain. I was like coughing. I had like a cold or something. I was coughing and like my rib did something weird. And she's like, oh, you should meet my chiropractor. He works on women who are pregnant. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. So his name's Dr. Berlin and he has an office here in LA. And so I went and met with him and he was adjusting me and he was like asking me just about my birth plan and sort of what I was doing. And he was like, let me ask you a question. Why are you, why are you doing a, a hospital birth? And I was like, uh, are there other options? Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. I'm from Kentucky. Like, you know, I don't even remember how people birth there. You uh-huh. know, I just remember like people came home with babies, but yeah. um, I'd heard about birthing on farms and birthing, you know, like at home there, but here in LA, like it just didn't feel like a thing. And so he was like, oh, well, have you, did you meet with any midwives? And I was like, I'm four months into my pregnancy. Like, aren't I too late? He (laughs) was like, no. He's like, no, you're good. And I was like, okay, yeah, tell me more about it. And so he told me a little bit and then he gave me a couple of people to reach out to. And I met with a bunch of different doulas. So I started learning more about it. Wow. And then I watched The Business of Being Born. Yes. I was reading Ina May's Guide to Childbirth, which we talk about so much in our book because it's like amazing. And I was just like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm having a home birth. I'm not that far from a hospital. If anything goes wrong, um, I met a midwife who was amazing. And I was really excited about using her. 
And so I was, that's how I landed there. Okay. It was like, I was like, this is, this feels, this resonates with me and hospitals did not resonate with me at the time. Fair. Okay. Um, so then I got to doing this. So I did this home birth and it was, it was really long. I did everything the midwife told me to. If she told me to squat a thousand times, I would do it. Um, I was up and down, you know, running, walking outside at seven in the morning. I was in a birthing tub all the things. And when it came time for pushing, when it came time to me being like really close to like 10 centimeters, um, I was pushing for four hours and something was not happening right. Something wasn't right. It was like I was trying all these different things. I think he had sort of come down in a weird way when she she burst my water bag at like nine centimeters. And so, so then she she was telling me like all these different positions to get into and it just four hours was a really long stretch and then it got to the end of that and I was um trying to push and he was stuck and I had had a swollen uh, like a cervical lip so my cervix was swollen because of all the pushing so she had to hold that back until he got past that point but then his shoulders kind of got stuck so my husband had also read everything I gave him, you know, Ina May's Guide to Childbirth, and he remembered the Gaskin Maneuver, which you're supposed to like, if you get sticky shoulders, you're supposed to like turn over on hands and knees and it helps reposition the pelvis and then the baby can come out, you know, like that. And a lot of lives have been saved like that. So he was like, she needs to do the Gaskin Maneuver. And the um, midwife was like, you're right, she does. We need to turn her over. And then they flipped me over on hands and knees and then my doula was, she's like the most amazing doula, she kind of coached me through the end of that and was like, you, he's been in there a long time. You need to reach down inside of you and you need to get that baby out. And I was just like, okay, you know? And so I was just like pushed with everything I had in me and he finally came out after four hours of pushing. Oh my goodness. So after the fact, my midwife was like, you know, you had a big baby. He was Mm -hmm. almost 10 pounds. And she was like, it was a big baby. She's like, babies do get bigger. And she was like, maybe it's maybe you should consider a hospital birth next time. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting that she suggested that. And I actually did a doula training after I had this home birth because I was like, I want to learn what doulas do and I want to learn how to support other women. And like, so I was like, and maybe one day I want to be a doula. So I did a full doula training with like a brand new baby and I just wore him the whole time. And I did it through my my doula, Anna Paula Markell, at Beanie Birth. And so after doing the doula training, I was just like, wow, like this is amazing. And one of the doctors that they had on video there was this doctor named Dr. Goldberg. And he um, he just seemed so awesome and so warm. And he was catching a baby that a woman was like squatting Mm -hmm. and pushing out at Cedars. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I was like, wow, look at that doctor like doing really cool stuff that a lot of doctors don't do at a hospital. Right. And I was just like, that's who I want. So I went to him and I was like, I want to have another baby. I think I want to do it with you. Can we talk about it? And so, you know, he and I talked and, and after my meeting with him I was just like crying I was like he's amazing that's you know? amazing There's so that's how I landed doctors. at having two more hospital births because I felt like I had this rock star doctor who um was just like you know was going to be able to show up for me the yeah. way that I needed him to absolutely it's so amazing how you did doula training too because you were fascinated but it sounds like it was very much inspired by 
how taken you were by the support that your doula offered you. Yes. Wow. And so you had a doula and a midwife. Is that right? I did. I had a doula and a midwife. My okay. husband, Teresa Palmer, uh-huh. she was oh, at my birth. That's beautiful. Um, she took a lot of videos and pictures. Oh. She was pregnant herself um, with oh. her first baby, Bodie. Wow. wow. And then my best friend, Casey. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Amazing. and it was just like this warm and loving, wonderful house. But that's everyone beautiful. there pretty much had PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. After that experience, like, okay. <laughs> um, and then can you tell our listeners what the difference is between a midwife and a doula? Yeah, so a midwife delivers the baby and she's like kind of does the more medical side. Now, you're going to do all your visits with the midwife, um, meaning like, you know, you'll go in and they'll do all the measurements on your belly. A difference between like a, a midwife and an OB is usually typically depending on your care provider. A midwife will sit for a very long time, talk you through nutrition, talk you through everything that's going on, what your birth plan is, like how you're feeling. You're, it's not a quick in and out situation. And then a doula is really a supportive person to be there for the mom, for the partner, and they help you through everything. So I had... I had this amazing doula who was like my, you know, she she helped me to remember some of the things that I wanted to do, like, you know, wanting to get into the water and breathing and she would like help my back, you know, she was like pressing on my back and she just was this really calming person that I had there that was like, if I felt a little wobbly in anything that was happening, I could look to her and she would just be like a reassuring source, which was nice. And a midwife is there for most of the time, but they're mm-hmm. also kind of in and out. They're yeah. not guiding you through, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know? It's different. And it's different. And in LBGYN, it depends on your OB, but usually they just come in for the birth. Um, my OB was different. He showed up for me and stayed for a very long time throughout my laboring process. Um, but, you know, I think it's because because he was there – for the birth I had after I lost my dad. And I think it's because he was like with me and all of that grief and like everything. He, you know, really knew that I needed him. And so he just was, he just hung around, um, which was really nice. Did you decide to keep your doula through your second and third births? I, I know a lot of people do go through, you know, the hospital route with an OBGYN, but yeah. I'm hearing about more and more women bringing a doula into that. I think it's so important to have a doula with you Mm -hmm. if you can. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of doulas and people will say like that's a very privileged thing to say. But there are a lot of doulas that um, work pro bono. There's a lot of doulas that will, um, you know, work with low income families. Like there's just there's so there's such a wide range of birth support that you can get in different communities. So it's not everywhere, but there are some communities where it is available and and if, you know, it's something that you want and it's something that you want to invest in, um, then it's really amazing. And I had them come with me. I had my same doula who came with me to my second, so that was at my first birth. She was signed up to come to my second birth, except I had a backup just in case who ended up being my, this is going to sound confusing. She was my postpartum doula for uh-huh. my first baby. Oh. Um, so she was going to be my backup birth doula just in case my doula couldn't make it because my doula was like traveling and it just so happened that she, um, her flight got canceled when she was coming back into town. 
And I was like, oh, it's totally fine. I'm not feeling anything. It's fine. I'll see you, like, we'll talk tomorrow when you land in LA. It was like, she was going to land at, you know, eight o'clock in the morning. And I was like, we'll talk tomorrow. Sure enough, that (laughs) night, like midnight, I go into labor and I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And I Mm -hmm. called my, you know, postpartum from the first time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Janet, (laughs) I'm in labor. You know, she's like, I'm here for you. And um, it was so nice to have her there. And then for my third, I gave birth in September of 2020. And um, they actually, during my whole pregnancy pretty much, um, we were being told that like partners weren't even allowed at the hospital and and doulas definitely weren't allowed at the hospital. And so my um, nanny who um, helps me with my kids, she's also a doula. She's a birth doula. And I met her through my doula. That's amazing. Which is amazing. And she's a (laughs) postpartum doula. Like she's just incredible. And so... I um, asked her if she would be my mm-hmm. doula, and I was like, who knows what happens in September of 2020, Yeah, but let's just say you're able to mm-hmm. like come with me. I would love for you to be there with me because she's also my best friend, and then I can have somebody come over and watch yeah. my kids while you know we go to the hospital, uh-huh. and it all just like worked out that oh, way. Oh, that's so, beautiful. So and she was able to like come and be with us. That's so cool. What is the difference between a doula and a postpartum doula? What does yeah. a postpartum doula do? So there's a, the birth doula who's with you like all throughout your pregnancy leading up to your birth and then they're with you for birthday. And then they'll do a follow-up with you too to like check in on how you're doing, make sure breastfeeding's going okay. Um, postpartum doula, I was really confused about this too. First of all, I'm from Kentucky. I was like, <laughs> what? What is a doula, right? Yeah. And then like – also postpartum like don't you just have friends come over and help you out like (laughs) you know I was like I don't I don't know if this is something that I need and my doula at the time my birth doula she was like listen a postpartum doula is there for the mom she's there to support you she can help you like you know do some dishes, help make you a little meal, give you a chance to take a shower like whatever it is like you're you need to like rest and be at home during this time so she's like you don't know what's going to happen during your birth but let's say like let's say that your birth ends up you know different than what you expected um is is your partner going to be able to be there for you at home and I was like well of course he would except that he's on a tv show and that's impossible. So like he'll be home maybe for uh, two days if it's close to a weekend. Yeah. But then he has to be, you know, he's oh, doing 12 hours yeah. a day. So um, I was like, no. And I was like, I, I don't – I, I could, couldn't figure out like how much I would need someone. Um, so I talked to this woman that she introduced me to and – um, I told her my story and she's like, I'm the perfect doula for you because it doesn't sound like you really want to have a postpartum doula. Yeah. But she was like, so I'll come, I'll come do like four hours a day for a few days a week and I'll just help you out a little bit and we'll just work on this together and see what you need. Um, so honestly, it really progressed and became different by the time I had my third. Like for me, the postpartum doula, even in my second, was like, you know, Sonia, who lives with me and she's amazing, she was like making meals for me and like making me tea and, you know, doing the broths and like all the things so that I could really lay in and like the kids could be in my room and we could all be together. And 
it's just such a beautiful thing that we don't really do in our culture and it was so nice to be able to do that. That's amazing. That is so cool and I had no idea that there was that type of doula and that type of support and it's so needed during that Mm -hmm. time. Before we get back to, I want to put a bow on our conversation about giving birth in a hospital, but Mm -hmm. before we do, really quickly, what were some of the most healing and helpful things that you did during your postpartum or that your postpartum doula provided to you? Oh, man. I would say that one thing is if you can, I mean, it's so hard because it really depends on like what kind of support do you have? What kind of financial support do you have? Do you have family members that can come and help you? How much time are you off work during postpartum? You know, most people get like a dedicated amount of time, but if if you're able to do the first 40 days, whether, you know, for me, my postpartum period with my first, I made a ton of meals and put them in my freezer so that when I was in postpartum, I could just like pop them in or ask the postpartum doula who was coming over to pop them in and um, and then I could have some food because I was in this really bad habit of just like throwing snacks into my mouth and postpartum and like and it was just not it wasn't fueling me I was making me really tired I was not able to be I wasn't nourished enough and I was also just like my body was having a hard time recovering from birth because I was up like imagine all the organs and everything that's in your body and everything your body's been through and you're just like up on your feet constantly trying to be the same that you were before yeah and your organs are all like but wait there's no yeah. abs to like hold me in and <laughs> yeah. like everything's still separated and it's yeah. all weighing heavily on your pelvic floor mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so that transitioned in my second pregnancy because I had met Sonia and then she really helped me in my second um, birth to like, you know, kind of lay in a little bit more and she made a lot of food for me and I was able to spend more time with baby. But then by the third, like that was just like a non-negotiable. Like we were just first 40 days in bed. We really Mm -hmm. followed that book the Mm -hmm. first 40 days, you know, and like she integrated some other things from like her culture. She's um, half Japanese And it was a lot of like the types of foods that you're eating. They're like Mm -hmm. really nutrient-dense foods, Mm -hmm. like bone broths, like things that are warm. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more? I'm familiar with the first 40 days, but what are just some of the core principles of that book that you followed? So um, in the first, I think it's like the first week or two. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be off probably a little bit just because it's been a while. But um, you really stay like in your bed with your baby. So you're, you know, in some cultures, the first 40 days, women don't even get up to shower. You're sort of like sponge bathed. But I went up and got a shower every day because I I wanted one and that makes me feel good. And so, um, but you stay in your room. You stay close to your room. So it's not like you're not running to the kitchen to do stuff or like running somewhere else. But what that also meant for somebody who has other kids is that everybody kind of came and hung out in my room, which Mm. was cool. So we had meals on the floor, like little picnics and stuff like that. It also means that you're following this like warming foods thing. So you're not eating a lot of sugar. You're not having caffeine for the first 40 days. Um, It doesn't mean that caffeine is bad, but it was like, you know, just I was just kind of following along to see how different it was for my body. 
And it also really helped me because I was able to like nap when baby was napping and then, you know, be awake. And when I was awake, I was with baby. And then she was just always right on the bed with me, which is part of it is that you're really grounded and connected together in your space. And I do feel like she's my calmest, most chill baby. And I partly am like, is that because we just sort of sat for 40 days together and like we had this sitting in, this connection, this like beautiful time. Um, I did all my work for Bayo, for Send Mama, for everything from bed. But at the same time, I was like, you know, be able to nurse her and be with her. So you you can kind of like, it's it, so the first couple weeks you're like in bed then you can like kind of be up and around. Then, you know, a couple weeks after, you're like up around the whole house and, you know, able to go on your first walk or yeah. like your first whatever. Got it. Okay. And so you did the 40-day plan with your second Esme. Is that right? A little bit, but okay. I really followed – like I was out and about a little mm -hmm. bit earlier with mm -hmm. Esme. Mm -hmm. With my last baby, I followed it really like very close to what it is for that, you know – and um, I do think that my body healed a lot quicker and and just overall my health in general, like I felt a thousand times better. I was sleeping more. My body wasn't as – I wasn't bleeding as much. I noticed that in my first and second when I was getting up a lot, mm -hmm. I was bleeding for weeks and weeks and weeks after yeah. birth. Yeah, you do bleed a lot after birth. Mm -hmm. No one really warns you about how long that goes on for. Wow. So true. Going back to your hospital births, yes. how did those go for you? And did you feel that with your doula there, you really got that full experience with your OB and the doula? I actually had my prenatal chiropractor, Dr. Berlin, come to the second because the baby was measuring so big. And they were telling me, like, this baby's measuring really huge, um, which is fine. But just like letting you know you've, you've made the right choice and just in case you're in a safe space. And so, you know, I he'd been working on me a lot um, throughout the pregnancy because I, I just always end up having like weird rib issues um, when I'm pregnant. I think it's because I carry all in the front. So he was helping me out and I was like, can you come to my birth? Like if I get into a place where I need to help opening with my, you know, pelvis or whatever. And so he came and kind of worked on me a little bit as I was in labor with my second. Um, and it, she felt huge. I mean, she, it felt like a really big baby yeah. in there. And as I was expanding, I was mm -hmm. just like, wow, you know, I just kept <laughs> – I'd gone through so much um, yeah. that year and mm -hmm. I was just calling in joy. Like my goal was just to like focus on this word joy and call it in throughout that whole laboring process. So with every contraction, I was just like, wow, yes, whoa, body, wow, this is amazing. That's beautiful. And so um, the doula was just, she was amazing. She was just like all smiles and like, hands on me, like helping mm -hmm. me. I mean, I I would, I would love a room full yeah. of people when yes. I'm giving birth. So I was just like <laughs> bringing everybody over, like uh, using them, dancing, everything I could do. My son yeah. was there, oh. which was really cool wow. for that for that birth. So uh -huh. he was cheering me on from the side. Um, and my OBGYN, who has since died, by the way, I'm just going to, for anybody who's listening who knows that, because it's just like there's a lot of women in our community that – also saw him so 
He's um, since passed away really tragically. And um, but he was just such a beautiful soul. And so he came in and I grabbed him by the shoulder <laughs> and I was like holding on to him. And then when I was pushing this baby out, I reached down behind the bed and I was like trying to hold the bed in mm-hmm. a squat position yeah. to like push her out. Uh-huh. And I, I, he told me afterwards I was actually holding on to his butt. He was like right behind me. <laughs> and I was like, what? That's so oh mortifying. I was so like <laughs> the blur <thrown>. of birth. <laughs> holding on his booty and I was like oh my god it's so embarrassing oh my god um but so yeah so my doula was such a beautiful support my you know friend Dr. Berlin he was an amazing support Dr. Goldberg um there was this one moment where there was a nurse there who you know when I was in that weird squat position off the end of the bed she was checking the baby's heart rate and she got really nervous because the baby's heart rate would drop when I would push. And so they all wanted to turn me over, but my body was saying like, I need to be in this weird squat. And so, you know, she kind of looked really stressed and I looked at my doctor and in my head, I was like, oh oh my gosh, am I not going to be able to do this? Like, are we going to have to go do a C-section? This is what my head said, right? So I look at him and he goes, no, no, no it's okay. Everything is fine. You're doing great. You've got this. And I was like, oh, okay. He goes, but I need to turn you over. And I was like, <laughs> okay. okay. And so they all like lifted me and turned me. I yeah. did scream on the video. I'd oh like, my ah! gosh. You know, and they turned me over because it's, it's just so intense. Mm-hmm. And then I pushed her out and she was 11 pounds. Wow. Yes. That is baby. why she felt so huge is because she was 11 pounds. But you she was knew. massive. You knew you had the intuition becomes so real in the experience mm-hmm. of motherhood. We all hear about this gut instinct our whole life and we kind of yeah. think we get to tap into it, but it is so visceral in especially in moments of birth and this journey. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow. That's true. Yeah, you have such an interesting story starting with home birth and moving into the hospital. I know, it's different. It's different, <laughs> but it's beautiful and I think it just goes to show that, you know, Again, that instinct, we know what's going to be best for us and the type of support we need. I want to shift gears and talk about an essay that you actually wrote for Parallel. You wrote about 10 things that you would tell yourself before becoming a mom. And everyone at Parallel cannot stop talking about this one quote. I'm going to share it. Um, You said, don't be in a hurry to pull up your jeans or to stay up late. Don't try to show everyone that you are the same girl just with a baby now. You are going to grow. Your world is growing to shift. And that quote just was so true and honest and needed. And reflecting on this quote, I can't help but ask, did it take you time as you think about who you've become now with three children? Like, has that shifted and evolved and like add a little bit more color to like what that shift was? Because you said that you had that shift early on in, in your journey and you said there was a second shift. Yeah, let's there tell really me more was. about that. Yeah, you know, it's so funny because I, I was thinking about myself when I was doing those 10 things and I was writing that. I was thinking about myself as this like 29-year-old. None of my friends were having babies. Like I this is all I wanted. And I did I was, you know, really worried about losing those relationships as I had talked about before. And so that was something that I look back at that person now and I'm like, you know, I just, who, the person who's waiting on the other side is so great. And you're so great 
but you're going to just really love her. She is going to open her heart even more. She's going to um, grow and you're, you know, for me, like there was so much when I was um, growing up where I was like always worried or I didn't want to disappoint people. I was a people pleaser. And although those are still things that live inside of me, like, you know, after I became a mom, I was like, wow, like I was able to do that. I was able to give birth and carry this baby. Like, I feel like I can do anything, you know? And then I had this like shift in my life with losing my dad and then growing into this mom that has a boy and a girl and, you know, going from one to two, it's harder. You feel a lot of mom guilt. You're worried about your toddler and you have this new baby. And then when we added, wanted to add to our family again, you know, it was at another point in my career where I was like, am I, my mood, I think my film was coming out or had come out with um, Tom. And so I was like, and I was doing a show. That's the thing as I was doing a TV show in Toronto. And then I was like, keep traveling back and forth. And I was like, okay, I I know I want to have a third baby. And, and, um, and then we got pregnant and I was like, well, I don't know what this is going to be like for the show. And then the whole world shut down. It was 2020, the whole world shut down. And during this time, I wrote a book about mindfulness um, for kids. It's a, a children's book. By the way, the book is called Happiness is a Journey, right? Yes. Happiness is the Journey. Beautiful, beautiful title. Okay. Thank continue. you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think this shift, there was like this, you know, thing where during 2020, we were really all asked to be still and present and um you know we stopped everything stopped the whole world stopped you know there was my mom was still working because she was in a field field where she was still there every day and um in her job and so there were people who were still working and still out there and then there were some of us who were asked to like you you should can't go anywhere it's not safe for Mm -hmm. you to go anywhere for other people you need to protect people right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so um there was just this time where we were really keeping it small at home and um and we really carried that over for a long time like we stayed small and i was pregnant and i was trying to be really safe for the baby so then the baby was born and we did like you know that postpartum time and um and then i wrote this book while nursing my baby and it's all about enjoying the world around us right where we are right now being present and not racing ahead or like looking behind us or wishing that we were somewhere that we weren't it's like how do we teach kids to just be right here right now and enjoy what's what's here i don't want to like be older or stronger or faster or go somewhere else and so um the shift i think happened somewhere in there where we um my husband and i were like you know together more at home and we were all together as a family more and we just got so tight and so close and had so many big deep wonderful beautiful conversations and somewhere in there there was this like shift with all of us where I just felt like we were really 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 connected in a beautiful way the third baby had come into our lives Mm -hmm. and we were all just like this really squishy happy little puddle pile and you know, it wasn't, I know that that's not, that that's not how it was for everybody. And, and trust me when I say that we all had our, I'm not saying it was all like happy and wonderful the whole time. I'm just telling you that my, my journey grew into this place. And, and I got to this point where I started to go like, 
you know, I need to get more in touch with my spiritual side. And I, it, there was no one day that I landed on, okay, now I'm going to start doing this. It was just like, I need to meditate more. I need to like show up and be more present for like my mind and my body. And whether that's through yoga or, you know, a Peloton ride or sitting in a sauna or like going for a walk or like whatever it is. And so I started to feel more connected to uh, this side of myself of like calling on my team of light and sitting in like thinking, you know, calling on my dad and my guardian angels and, you know, all of those things and starting to like write those things down. And I've only recently started journaling and writing down my morning gratitude Mm -hmm. list every day. And so So what I mean by seeing another shift in my life is that I do feel like waking up every day and it it doesn't always happen but I try to make a point of it and um just sitting in gratitude my family my health my this life it's so fleeting like what am I going to do and how am I going to show up for those people that I love today and for myself and um just to like enjoy what we have in this time that we have here um and I think now more than ever it's mm-hmm. that's more apparent for me. Yeah, absolutely. I think just being intentional and all we have is this moment that we're in mm-hmm. right now, even in this moment, we're recording this podcast and we have to find joy wherever we can. And, you know, the recipe for unhappiness is wishing for things we don't have, thinking about a future that hasn't happened yet. And there's yeah. so much value in being present. And the experience of motherhood is definitely something that kind of forces you to to slow down and be here in this moment and find happiness and joy where you are. And I yeah. I love that you have that practice for gratitude. There is a massive body of science also to support how mm-hmm. important that is in shifting someone's not only mental health, but also physical health. Yes. It's, it's tremendous. That's amazing. Yeah, it really does. It's like focusing on, you know, the title of the book, the book is called Happiness is the Journey. It's because the journey Mm-hmm. is the goal yes, right it's not yes. the end result we're yes. not like shooting for yeah that okay if I make that amount of money or if I book that job or you know if I get this promotion it's like I need to find joy in the days that lead up to those things that happen and yes they're great and we can celebrate those things but let's also celebrate all the other little wins along the way that's beautiful Well, I have one final question for you. I feel like I could talk to you all day. We might need to do another episode because I have so many questions. But I'd love to hear what is the most surprising thing you have learned about yourself since becoming a mom? At times, I think that I am more patient than I ever knew that I was. Mm -hmm. And then also at the same time, I'm impatient. (laughs) It's like, which, you know... I I find these moments where I think there's two words, you know, we were just talking about mm-hmm. this on another podcast with Rachel and Olivia, their Broad Ideas podcast. Yes. And we were talking about, they're amazing. And, and we were talking about the word triggering. Being triggered, she said another word for that is being activated. And I realized that with mothering, um, a mirror is held up to me a lot. So there are these moments when I'm activated or triggered. Um, I get really frustrated because I'm like trying to work or do something, but I'm also trying to juggle 
mom. So I'm like running around trying to finish an email, but packing like a backpack up and my kids asking me a question and I'm like, I don't want to say hold on to them. I don't want to pause them. But at the same time, I'm like, if I could just finish this, then I can stuff this in the bag and then I can answer the question and then I can go get the little one's shoes and then I can put the jacket on. Uh So all the things. And I get frustrated because I can't, I can only do one thing at a time. Unfortunately, like my brain doesn't work to do more than one. We're all human. (laughs) And so one thing at a time. And so sometimes I get triggered and I'm like, you know, just hold on a minute. And I'm like, ah. Why was I so impatient? And what did that bring up in me? I'm mad at myself for not putting this down and having a moment, helping my kid, doing the thing. That can wait. Like, what am I doing? I don't need to answer that email right this second, you know? You just tell yourself you need to because you're your own boss when you're owning a business, when you run a business, you know? And so you're like, okay, I need to do this right now. So, you know, with motherhood, I think sometimes I'm really hard on myself and I need to uh, release some of that and say, okay, what's triggering you? What's being held up in front of you? What's really making you upset right now? It's because you know that you shouldn't be doing that or you know you don't want to do that. And what you're wanting to do right now is different than what you're doing. And so I think now I'm getting to this place where I'm starting to call those things out for myself. And it's really helpful because before I was just like, why am I so frustrated? And why is, why am I so impatient? Because I know I'm very patient, but why is this happening? You know? And so I don't know if there's, if, if for anybody that's listening that also has those moments where you get really activated or really triggered when um, you, too many things are going on and you find yourself lashing out in a way that you just really didn't like, um, sometimes if you can just like go, okay, wait, where is that coming from and why is it happening and how can I change that so that I don't put myself or my kid or anyone else in this situation so I don't have to feel this way because mm-hmm. it doesn't feel good. You know, I'm currently working on that right now. This could not be more resonant for me. Your description of the, you know, that moment packing the bag, answering an email, trying to just gather my thoughts and respond in a way that is representative of who I am. Mm-hmm. It's so tough. And that advice is so good and so important. Thank you. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. Of course. You. Like, I'm, I'm so happy to, um, to share because I feel like I'm constantly learning, learning and growing and trying to figure out, you know, just how to do this and, and how to do it, um, with love and, and, and to have my kids feel supported, my partner feel supported, but also take care of myself and the things that I need. Yeah. Wow. I, again, I'm just so humbled first of all to have you on the show and grateful for your candor and just willingness to share and I just am your biggest fan everyone needs to check out your zen mama you have the most amazing skincare line yes bayo you guys check out bayo actually made um a discount code for all of your listeners it's parallel 20 so if you guys want to check it out it's organic skincare for the whole family it's bayo.com b-a-e-o.com yes and check out the Mother Days podcast with Teresa and I, and you'll get all the yours and mama stuff from Wisdom there. Wisdom <laughs> and goodness. Well, again, I can't thank you enough. You have Aww, just been thank amazing. You. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. so much. Of course. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Parallel Lives. 
Stay tuned for new episodes and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you like today's show, we'd be forever grateful if you take a moment to rate and review us. You can find us online at parallelhealth.com. That's P-E-R-E-L-E-L health.com or on Instagram at Parallel Health. I'm Alex Taylor, and you've been listening to Parallel Lives. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today's episode was made possible by the company that I co-founded alongside my co-founder, Tori, and Dr. Vayati, which is Parallel. We are the first and only OBGYN-founded women's vitamin, offering targeted nutrition for each unique stage of the motherhood journey, from preconception through each individual trimester, because mom and baby need different nutrients to support them, and into postpartum. We created this product because we felt completely failed by the available options on the market. There was an opportunity to create more targeted nutrition for each of these stages. And so we turned to the nation's top doctors to formulate these products. So each product is meticulously formulated by our founding team of world-class doctors, which includes notable OBGYNs, widely published maternal fetal medicine doctors, award-winning endocrinologists in partnership with functional medicine doctors, naturopaths, nutritionists, and even doulas. It was so important for us to create a product that both Eastern and Western medicine doctors could agree on. I personally take the mom multi-pack. I have a little one who's two years old and four years old but we have incredible products for all the different stages. So for all of you listening, we are going to offer you a very exclusive 20% off your first month with code PODCAST20. So head to parallelhealth.com. That's P-E-R-E-L-E-L health.com and use that code.